just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Tonight, I am Marcus. Put a mirror in front of you. I'm Chris. <laughs> so, um, Marcus, the uh, the news had a had a, had a story on there that you and I have actually been talking about quite a bit off the air about the city council votes. Um, yeah, we started with Hugh last week talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, what's interesting is there's a thing called the capital improvement plan, and it's a expenditure. Of this year, it was $11 million. It's an expenditure of $11 million. It covers a lot of things that departments need, essential things. Um, I actually had Brad Markey on last week or the week before, the week before, after the city council finance meeting, where they had already cleared it from the city council finance committee. And he had said, you know, he just talked basically about, um, you know, it was, there were certain like necessary improvements. There's tasers, right? Right. And there's, um, like making the bathrooms at Buttonwood Park ADA accessible. Right. A lot of necessary improvements that departments need. Right. Happens every year. There's it's about $11 million. It's bonded, so it's borrowed. Right. Right. I asked Brad Markey, too, is there any way that, you know, are you borrowing too much? Right. Because right. like, I don't know. I didn't go to I told him I didn't go to law school to do math. Right. <laughs> and and uh, some people some people did. I didn't. So he said basically that it's impossible to overextend yourself because there's laws and regulations in place. Right. That this is the best and frankly only way to make these improvements. I think the mayor said that the city has a self-imposed cap and they're nowhere near the cap. Yeah. And and uh, and I think one of the counselors had said, oh, we're borrowing too much money. And then, you know, Mitchell said that doesn't jive with reality right right which is really which again, is a really interesting way of saying you're full of it right you know the department of revenue Massachusetts department of revenue oversees all the cities and towns yeah you just can't do whatever you want you can't just borrow money right for you stuff. just can't do yeah, it yeah yeah you know it, it's all like people yeah you can't just go down you can't just take the typewriter down to the pawn shop it's just not how it works right um but so basically what happened was ian wasn't there uh city council president ian avery wasn't there so the reins were left to linda morad and Linda Moore, after saying she didn't want to delay the capital improvement plan, then just worked to delay the capital improvement plan. Right. Right. It's like saying it's not me, it's you. Or it's yeah. not you, it's me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, You know, she's been left without really any semblance of power since uh, at least the last year. Right. right? For years she was the chairman of the finance. For years she was chairman of finance. She was removed from that position. Right. And it seems like when she took the reins, she wanted to just kick the can on this to create a distraction. It's, to disruption. It's a, look, I, I'll tell you, Marcus. Because then she, because she, she did it while she was doing it, criticized, decided to criticize uh, uh, Marky, the chairman of finance, right. who has her old job, right. and Ian, right. who has her other old job, right? You know, city council president, city council president. So, yeah. look, 
I think it goes to the reputation of the city council that they don't get a lot of things done, things like that. Look, I think there's a lot of individually solid members of that council. Oh, for sure. But, but as a body, things like this do not make them look good. It makes it look bad. It makes it look bad for a lot of people, outside investors and all of that, that, that people are willing to let petty squabbles and, frankly, ignorance of how things work... Right. Well, they. Here's the thing. I think Linda is. Oh, she knows. She knows she, exactly how. Yeah, it works. that makes it worse for her. Right. Yeah. I mean, look. When she said she didn't want to delay it, it's because she knew she was delaying it. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, I that's, don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. I don't want. Why are you pa- making me do this? Right. 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 When nobody was doing that. Right. And and then look, there was in the finance committee. They already moved it through. Yeah. So to move it back again, it's just a poly game. It's not. It's not productive no it's, it's not productive people want to and use that as if people wanted to get briefed on or something like why it's a delay you yeah. have the it, it's like briefed by whom right you have the information there what do you need what Brief more do you yourself. need go ask the department heads yourself you're a city council they'll pick up the phone for you so again marcus as you know as an elected official as you as you, as you go along in the year <clears throat> you pick up information you, yeah you find it things like this these aren't done overnight yeah these don't suddenly appear to just you know there's a capital <laughs> yeah. plan it's been there yeah right this is this is all written down yeah it's been sitting on your desk it's in your folder however you want to put it and and so the idea that you have to kick it back again the dog doesn't hunt no you know, they know it just does. that's a muzzled dog as far as i'm concerned right. it doesn't um it's it's not it's not real but it, and luckily you know i talked to but it I, could cost real money Luckily, when I talk to counselor, yeah, right, it, because the interest rates are going up, so right. the borrowing rate's going up, so it's right. actually going to cost them more money. By uh, This this is actually going to cost the city more money. It's outrageous, really. It the whole thing is outrageous. Because let's, let's, look, let's look at it this way, Marcus. What do we think is going to happen now that it's back at finance? Right. Right? I mean, that, that, that the proof is in the pudding. It, is there going to be a major change? No. Right? There's going to be zero changes. Right. So, therefore... There was no reason to do there was it. no reason to do it. There's not even going to be a discussion. Because, again, those are things that are actually needed. Then right? needed? Like ADA accessibility for right. bathrooms. You're not going to not do that. Given Council Moritz's position on parking, who knows, you know, if that... You can go, go to WDSM.com d- There's the rub. Yeah. Uh, but we don't think it was specifically because it's ADA compliant. No, no, no. I just... It just... It was, again... You just happen to get lucky there. Again... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she wasn't looking to hurt the handicap there, but yeah. So you, but but really, folks. And I, look, I, I I am a very lenient person when it comes to elected officials. I've been an elected official. Sometimes you're making decisions without all the information. Sometimes you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. Right? I, I mean, really, I give people a, a, a wide, wide, wide um, lane. But in this case, I know Linda knows better. I know she does. Yeah. I, I, I would, I'm not going to insult Linda by pretending she doesn't know. That'd be ridiculous. Linda Morehead knows the rules up there better than anybody. Linda understands finance very well. It's the reason why people vote for her. So when she does something like this, yeah, it's, it's just, just really unbecoming. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I, again, now, again, Marcus, if she makes a change, if there's some... Incredible adjustment made in the finance committee on this relook. Then I'll say, yeah. well, all right, maybe she was onto something. But if, they, but barring that, 
it was nothing but a, just a, a delay tactic and a bad one that could cost the city yeah, and more it, money. And and just to, it looks like, take a shot at um, the council president. Right. Right. And so, and uh, and the guy, again, again, the two guys that had your old job. Right. So, but, uh, it doesn't even, it's not even a good one. No, it's not. Because you're really making yourself look bad. Right. Unless, again, if she discovers, I don't know what it could possibly be, but if she discovers something in there that, that she somehow didn't discover before, um, I guess you could make her point that she was right, but I, I don't see that. Well, there's going to be no major changes to the capital improvement plan, but there might be a major change to the bar and nightlife in Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> right. Good segue. So, like yeah. So there's, um, you know, Chris wrote a column about this yesterday about happy hour. That's um, Senator Julian Sear, who I actually I'm in contact with his office. We're trying to get him on the show uh you know, he's got conflicts and all that, and we've got conflicts. So we're trying to get him on the show, and I think we will be able to. He's, he's trying to drive through the Cape traffic. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a senator, state senator from Truro, represents the Upper Cape, I mean the Outer Cape down to Barnstable in the islands. He proposed, he sponsored a happy hour bill uh, that's basically trying to return happy hour to Massachusetts. Now, happy hours hasn't been in Massachusetts since 1984. We had a robust discussion about this yesterday. Right. A lot of people called in, shared some stories about happy hour, whether or not they liked it, whether or not they didn't like it. And if you did, you can call in at 508-996-0500. That's you can get on. We're, we're, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear your, your stories or your thoughts on this. I wrote a column today, just basically kind of a brief overview of my, when I wrote the column, my initial, what I wanted to talk about was the history of like why the drinking age is 21, how we got to the point to the drinking age being 21 and in Massachusetts specifically. But what it got into was more of like a history of sort of the temperance movement, which was the movement to basically uh, abstain from alcohol. Uh, it used to be it started off as abstaining and not like or consuming in moderation of alcohol. And it became like basically everybody that was in the temperance movement was a teetotaler, right? right? Uh, and the American temperance movement started in Boston, right? So Massachusetts okay. and Massachusetts was a a um, one of the it was like basically one of like the rum capitals of the world at one point because they were involved in the triangle trade where they'd trade slaves for sugar to the West Indies and make rum from it. Okay, but uh, I, I got into this whole thing. I don't know. I just kind of just started talking about the history of basically alcohol consumption in the United States and then the 18th Amendment and all of that and how uh, basically the, the it fluctuated from 18 to 21. Like the, the it's fluctuated for it was 17 at the end of Prohibition. It was 18. Then it was 21. Then it was the back to age of 17 at the end of Prohibition. Really? Then it went up back up to 21 some years later. Okay. And then it be, then it went down to 18. One time to 18 after the 26th Amendment was passed and the 26th Amendment made the voting age 18. Right. So 29 other states, including Massachusetts, said, well, why can't we, well, if they can vote, why can't they drink? Right. And so they, they did that. And then a few years later in 79, basically Massachusetts said, okay, it wasn't really based on, there's there were studies that were suggesting that there were higher fatalities for younger people in states where the drinking age was lower. Right. So they decided to up it to 20. And then in 1984, There was the National Drinking Age Act, which um, said they would pull 10% of your highway funding 
if you didn't uh, comply with the drinking age of 21 in your state, they would pull 10% of your federal highway funding. You cannot work on your highways if you lose a significant chunk of your highway funding, right? right? So right. it was basically a coercion. That went to the Supreme Court because North, North Dakota was still holding out, and the, Fe- the Supreme Court said, this was in 87, that essentially the federal government can coerce you with funds, can coerce you to do something, by withholding funds. Right. So that's how we got to the point of the drinking age uh, being 21 in Massachusetts because it was 20 at the time. And then they quickly followed suit. I think that law in 84 was passed and the national level was passed in July. By December, Dukakis signed the 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 21 year uh, an over drinking age and he uh, signed the abolition of of happy hour. Right. And it was, you know, I think a concerted effort. Uh, some might argue a successful one to curb the amount of accidents and deaths from from OUIs. The other thing he did is he also, um, in that same movement, he took all the bars out of the National Guard armories. All the armories around here had right. bar- you, If you go into National Guard armory down in the basement, many of them still have the bar. Yeah. It's, it's not using, obviously, but, but um, it used to be that the, the National Guard armories all had bars. So guys would be down there drinking on Sundays after drill, things like that, maybe during drill, I don't know. Yeah. But because uh, you talk to the old timers, they, they all remembered it. But um, Mike Dukakis had a, is still hanging around, right? He's still yeah. hanging around. He's, I saw him. At law at UMass Law when I was a student, and he apologized for the 1988 election. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, "He said uh, if you, I'm sorry, you got Bush one, and if you didn't get Bush one, that means you probably wouldn't have gotten Bush two. So I apologize, which I thought was funny. Yeah. He um <laughs> he he uh, you know he I'll, sorry for the tank picture is basically what he said. I'll um. I'll never forget. He was getting the nom. So I was in high school that year, and that was it was my junior year in high school. That was your, that's the year you take government class, right? So it's a pretty cool year to be taking government class. Yeah. And the fact that our, our, our governor was running for president, I was the only guy in the class who, because the teacher was for Dukakis, obviously, um, I was the only one who was for Bush, right? And uh, the, uh, we had a lot of fun. In fact, I'm so friendly with that government teacher, Mark Gorman. He. Um, it was a um, really fun, you know, fun class, things like that. But I'll never forget Mike Dukakis when he won the nomination. The day he won the nomination, it's a major event, right? Major national mm-hmm. story. George Bush flew into 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 Boston because Ron Kaufman had arranged for the Boston Police Union to endorse George Bush. Oh, that's brutal! That's right, to step and he did it yeah. right in front of Boston Harbor, which was the most polluted waterway in, in America at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least they said it was. So they. Um, it really stripped the, the glory off of Dukakis yeah. that day. Real, absolutely. And, and still to this day, you know, you can remember that story of, yeah, uh, of, of Ron. That was where Ron Coffin made his reputation. He went mm-hmm. on to become political director, in fact, in the, uh, in the Bush White House. So Mike Dukakis, not a bad guy, but he, uh, in fact, Phil Palogas, our morning guy, was very friendly. He and his family mm-hmm. were very friendly Greeks with, uh, with Dukakis. But he was always his dream to b- bring the train to New Bedford. Did yeah. you talk about that? I don't remember. I just remember the Bush joke. <laughs> I think I was maybe trying to get out of class or something. Oh, I don't that's know. funny. Not get out of class because I was, you know, whatever, 22 at the time. I could just, if I didn't want to go to class, I didn't want to go to class. Right. I forget why I was there and I forget why he was there. I don't even know why, but I just remember him making the joke about losing to Bush. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, there was all the you know, Willie Horton ad. You know, what if someone did this to Kitty Dukakis? All of that. Um, well, he, well, he was. It, it was um, the guy from CNN asked him the question. Yeah. What would you do? What was his name? That guy. He was. He was in. He was in the first Persian Gulf War too. Hell of a hell of a uh, journalist. Back when CNN had a much had a really a, a strong reputation. What is that guy's name? Um, and he said. What would you do if Kitty Dukakis was raped? Yeah, and Mike Dukakis gave some and murdered. I think academic answer, right? Yeah, when he should have said, "I would," I, you know, "I'd kill the guy." Yeah, but instead he said, "Well, I would." Well, because he was against the death penalty. Or, yeah. yeah. So what he could have said was something like, "I wish he, you know, I want him to be in jail for the rest of his life." Right. Right. But he gave some nerd answer. Yeah. It just he just people made don't him like look, when you're a nerd. No. No. Don't be a nerd. No. They don't like when you um. Look, I'll give, you know, they talk about Trump. There's a lot of things Trump does that people don't like. But they talk about him getting mad, right? There was, there, you know that girl who just testified against him? Mm-hmm. Throwing, the, the, right? throwing, the, throwing the plate, right? I'm thinking to myself, look, I don't throw things. But, boy, I, I wish my president right now would get a little mad. I wish Biden would get mad at the, you know, the price of gasoline, call the oil companies, whatever, right? <laughs> the fact that you don't have a passion, right? The lack of passion is, is I think, a I've a been killing. saying, so, right, the lack, right. I, it's... I'm frustrated because, again, I do think it was a winnable election for because of COVID, especially and all of that. Did, given, I know it's hard to defeat an incumbent, but it was a winnable election. They had to coalesce around Biden because they couldn't give it to Bernie Sanders. But what I'm, you know, a lot of people have asked me, like, "Oh, do you think it would have been better?" Right? I'm like, I don't, you know. Economic trends or economic trends, sometimes there's nothing a president can do, but you would have at least had somebody who nobody argues that isn't transparently like cares about stuff, uh, trying to do stuff. And you can't tell me that wouldn't have been better than than this husk, basically, that we're seeing. Well, you think Bernie would have been better? That's what you're saying? I think you would have had. Yeah, no, I think he would have been a better president. But do you think I think you what you're beat, saying is that you would have beat. Um, I think he would have beat. I think. I think he. So here's my whole thing. I think he could beat Trump in a in in an election. I think that the problem is. Do you think the Russians would have been conflicted though? I think the problem is an old agent versus a new agent. How do they do that? (laughs) Like, is he honeymooned in like Glasnost, uh Soviet Union? So, so he helped import. No, no, into America. But but here's the thing: if he actually won the nomination. It would have basically been because it would have more or less be seen as a hostile takeover of the DNC, right? If he won the election, yes. And so, would he have gotten the in the tank media compliance that Biden got, right? Would he have gotten all the I help that? So. Would he have gotten all the earned media that Biden got? Would they have rather have basically tanked this to to? I, I and I don't know the answer to that question. Well, that that's a very interesting question because Biden did absolutely. You know, when I hear when I hear Trump yell up and yell up and down about the election being fixed, I I, I get what he's saying. If all he's saying is that the that the media was so in the tank for Biden because they really were completely yeah, in the tank. Of course, of course, you know Donald Trump spent four years saying they were the enemy of America. He called them. He called them the enemy of the people. He said right. we're going to open up the libel, open up the libel laws. I mean, right. threatening them to their face and in in, in very vacuous crowds. So. You know, yeah. Why wouldn't they? So, so when you when you, you oh, pretty pretty Sanders told the media off a few times too. You you know you you you, know, you go up against people who buy their ink by the barrel, right? They mm-hmm. paper by the ream. You're going to lose. That's even if you are the president. It's it's right. just it's a reality of it. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey guys. Hey, what's up? Question. Uh, I think 
Chris was talking about Bernard Shaw? Yes, Bernie yeah. Shaw. That was it. Yeah, Bernard or whatever his name is. Yeah, and Chris, I got to tell you again, we we have Marcus can only get so many mulligans on his age where he comes out with he's too young to remember this part or that part. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he pulls those mulligans all the time. But um, my question to you is, and again on the governorship, so when is the last time you guys remember a governor giving an appointment? Uh, well, it's in the news. Uh, Erin uh, Devaney, she's from uh, Taunton. She was the registrar of motor vehicles, right? That's all coming to the news now. Right. But do you remember Chuck Franklin? Of course, I remember Chuck. Chuck, Chuck right? is the greatest. Right. So he was appointed, I think, either by Governor King or might have been Dukakis. Dukakis. Dukakis, Associate Highway Commissioner. Correct. I mean, Correct. right? I think you would. So and, I know and, the and whole Mark. story of how he. So do you, right? How he got that job. Correct. And Marcus can pull the, you know, he can pull the mulligan on the age cut. But, but when is the last time we've had anybody uh, in New Bedford or this area really appointed to, I don't want to call it a cabinet position, from the governor as when they were elected? I mean, we do a lot of work to get these governors elected. And I can't remember the last time anybody would say, yeah, Chuck Franklin or this guy or that guy. Boy, Barry, you're you right. Any people? And those jobs are big. Uh, Associate Highway Commissioner, I remember Chuck talking to me about it, and, he, and he, I didn't know what they did. And he said, well, he goes, I'll tell you one, this is again back back then, I'm not sure how it works now, but he'd say, you know, guys are being, their, their snowplow money is held up, right? The state owes them all kinds of money. He, he could call up and get, release this guy's money, you know? These are very serious positions. You could get commercial driver's licenses. You could get a lot of things done. But my question to you is, we bust our you-know-what to get our people elected down here. And we, we, we do very well, like Kennedy and the people that, that you know do it don't get in. But ask your listening audience, who is the last person that you can remember that got some kind of high-level position after all we do down here? We get nothing. Yeah, it's true. You know what the problem is? You t- you bring up Kennedy, right? And Joe Kennedy won he this. He lost. He won this area overwhelmingly. But the frankly, the the Whole Foods suburbs of Boston are just uh, there's just too many people there, right? There's too many in Boston and in those suburbs. There's there's too many people there. So people. It sometimes doesn't, unless Boston's competitive, it doesn't behoove people sometimes because they feel like there isn't enough votes here. But it's, it isn't like, you know, there's still people here that, you know, should be, uh, like, you know, recognized and helped. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I agree. We, ha- we, have, we have valued people here that should be on the, whether it's Democrat or Republican, governor's council, uh, not council, but their, their appointments. And maybe your listening audience can correct me if I'm wrong. Name me a name. Tell me who you are. I mean, I, I, I go back to Chuck Franklin, for God's sake. Yeah. Which, was, which was 1979, I believe. Well, you can ask Marcus that. <laughs> ten, literally 10 years before I was born. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Good job. Thanks, yeah. Barry. Thank you. Um, it's a good point, though, because, you know, um, boy, I, got, I, I, I can't tell him. Even though Chuck's passed away, hey, I get some great Chuck Franklin stories. Um, he, he owned... He owned uh, the town and country on the Freetown, New Bedford line, which later became Monsoors, which later became an ashtray, uh, <laughs> when they tried to turn it into a strip club. Um, oh yeah. The uh, but Chuck owned that bar. He sold it to Monsoors, you know, in the seventies. But um, 
That was that was you know the kind of an old roadhouse up there on the Freetown line, but uh, you know Barry makes a good point. You, you don't see the kind of um, appointments that you used to see right for this area. I can't think of anybody. No five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Take a break. We'll be right back. Download the w- tonight. Uh, I'm I'm Marcus. He's Chris. We are. Uh, it is it is eight thirty three on a on a on a Tuesday evening. And we were talking about a lot of things. I mean, we were talking about the um, the effort by Senator Julian Sear to bring happy hour back. There has been. I mean, his effort isn't the only one, but it, it I, I, for some reason, it feels like it can be a, like, um, you know, a, a much, like, it seems like this is picking up some steam. Um, so it might end up, and we're going to, again, we're hoping to have him on maybe sometime next week to talk about this more and see if we can, uh, you know, get his take on it. You know, he was talking about how in Provincetown, which is true, if you're in Commercial Street in Provincetown, you're you're just, you're, there's, everybody's walking in the middle of the street, so you, you can't, there's right. no cars. Right. And there's probably some towns in Massachusetts like that. Right. Provincetown, I mean... It, it's. I think it's got a more of a unique setup than other places do. I haven't uh, been there in years. I haven't been there in years. My girlfriend wanted to go in the, and we went. Yeah. But years and years ago, she wanted silver jewelry. That's what I remember. She wanted some silver rings. So she had, or something you like had that. to go up to Provincetown. We wanted. She wanted to go anyway. It was a you know a day trip. It's it nice. it's it's really it's really a great place. Yeah. I, I I was I've been up there a few times this summer. I, I enjoy it uh, quite a bit. But the, um, but what about the towns that aren't set up like Provincetown? Right. What about the Fairhaven? Fairhaven's right? not set up like Provincetown, no. for example. You know, you're not walking in the middle of the street right. there. Would we want to have 25 cent drinks, you know, at, at at an establishment? And 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 I think I guess the argument would be the argument would be that you you know, you can just opt out of it. Yes. Right. I think that's the so the question becomes would you want your town to do it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Would you want your town to do it? Would you, would you want to be able to you know, go down and, and have two for one drinks, or you know, twenty five cent drinks. What what, what did the guy tell us? Twenty five cent screwdrivers. You know, some things like that. You know, you're drinking rot gut vodka, right? They're not those aren't those aren't those aren't. Yeah. They're not giving you the, the good stuff. Um, but would would that be something you'd like to see? You know, or or do you think that? It, do you remember that it led to all kinds of problems? You know, that it it led to spectacular car accidents, right? Um, you know, my, my we, and we got we got some feedback from some bar owners and former bar owners last night. The um, I don't understand the profit margin because I don't know the bar business anyway. But mm-hmm. it would seem to me that if you're going right now selling drinks, say I don't know five dollars a piece, to suddenly selling them for twenty five cents, um, would seem that that would be the wrong direction you'd want to go. Maybe in, right? you're you're hoping to um, make the money on food, right? That's that's the only thing I think of. Is you're 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 looking to make the money on on, on food. I, I, again, I don't know. I I don't know the profit margins. We should get somebody in here that right. that does know. I but. mean, you know, I wonder if if is it just that hey, we'll, we'll do a drink special from let's say you know right right after work, like so let's say from from six to seven, right? And that once you get the people in the door for the drink specials, they stick around, right? Right. So so they they they're buying. I know I don't like if you go to Florida. And they have dollar drinks, okay, for, for the for from five to six. Generally speaking, you know, you might get your second or your third drink is a full price drink. You stick yeah. around, right, for it. Yeah. So, um, I I, guess, I wonder if that's the strategy as well. And then, Marcus, the other thing is, you talk about the opt in, the opt out. How long before 
every restaurant and bar in a community says, come on, this is crazy. I can't compete with the neighboring community because yeah. they're doing it, right? I can't compete with, yeah, right. right? I, so can't, New- I can't compete with New Bedford if you're in Fairhaven. Right, right. Yeah. And that they, that they, you then sort of have a race to the bottom where everybody has to do it um, because you'll lose your businesses if you right. don't, you know. So the opt-in, the opt-out, it, it's, it's a pitfall. It could be. Now, and again, my initial reaction to this, and I, and I wrote about it at WBSM, was, you know, let's give it a try. Go ahead and go for it, right? Because my feeling is with Uber and Lyft and things like that, it is different. Yeah. With places like Provincetown, it's different. Places like Boston where they have, you know, robust public transportation, it's a little different. Yeah. But, and you know, when you're not, if you're out in Boston, you're not driving. No, again, again, you're not driving. You're not right? driving. So the. Um, it's actually kind of a hassle to go out in Boston. <laughs> oh, Lord, yes. It really is. It really is. So the. Um, so for that reason, is, is it me? And then, but of course, the other side of it is, is it worth the risk? Right? Right. Because you're not going to figure out it was a bad mistake until after you've had many problems. Yeah. You're not going to pass the law. And then suddenly repeal it, right? You're right. just not going to do that. So you'd like not to think that that's going to happen. So I wonder if it's if it's worth the risk. And again, there's a reason we don't have it anymore. Yeah, which I think right. is Charlie Baker's indication. Why yeah, that's it. so. Again, this is some, probably something that's going to be signed by a governor, Healy or Doty or Deal. More right. realistically, over Healy. So. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Um, I, you know what I do want to talk about when we, I'm going to take a break now. I think we're going to take a break. When, when, what I do want to talk about when we get back is the precipitous drop of gas prices and maybe that type of relief that people were looking for, such as the repeal of the gas tax was really never a sound policy. And, um, you know, are we going to see a sub $4? Are we going to see a sub four dollar per gallon gas prices soon and if we do see that is that going to affect the outcome of elections right the gubernatorial election i know that i know that uh the republicans the republican candidates on the the governor's side have definitely tried to bring up gas tax relief as uh a an issue in this campaign. I know that uh, a lot of candidates that are running for office against in primaries and general elections are are actually trying to make this uh, make the you know someone's position for or against the gas tax relief a, an issue in this campaign. So I think there's a lot of broad reaching implications to the the drop in the gas price. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen some places where it is like four bucks a gallon, right? Which I I know, you know, I know what you're saying. Like, oh, you know, I remember when it was under three bucks a gallon. You know, I talked to somebody that I, I know in the, in the, um, in the oil industry. And what they're saying to me is that you're never going to, this guy works for a major oil company. And what he said to me was, you're never going to see $250, I mean, $250, $250 a gallon again. Like, you're going to, you're going to be happy with three to three fifty. Five zero eight. 996-0500. We're take a break now. We'll be back. 1420 WB. Back. Um, so what I wanted to... I don't know if you're interested in talking about this, Chris. <laughs> but what I wanted to talk about... What? What's that, Marcus? Uh, the drop in gas prices. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's great news. Is it going to affect a lot of the rhetoric that we're hearing on this election? Because I think Republicans or even more conservative Democrats 
in primaries are we're counting on this as like a wedge issue. I'll tell you, it, it will count. It'll be good for the Democrats. Yeah. If if it's not based on demand destruction, what is what is it really based on? Right. So if it's based on demand destruction, meaning that people can't afford it. Mm-hmm. That's why they're not buying it, and so the so the gas companies are cutting the price because they 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 got to the peak price, right? Then I think that people people will not consider it th- such a big deal, but if if it's not because of demand destruction that people weren't tapped out, then I think it'll have a positive effect on the Democrats. So if it's because Joe Biden was able to release more gas, if it's because the <clears throat> The system look like you know there's there's more there's more coming into the system there's real supply and demand. Then yeah. I think it'll be okay by the Democrats. But if it's a truly demand destruction based price drop, right? Then then the the damage is done. I don't think you can come back from it. But I mean, aren't people just looking at the gas prices and saying, "Well, good, they're lower." I don't think they're, I tell they're, people they're not, they're not looking at it and saying, "Oh, well, it's lower because of demand destruction." No, That's no, not good. No, they're saying it's 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 lower now, but they already felt the burn of it being high priced, and they know that they they've already passed up the gas tank themselves, right? Okay. In other words, they've said because so across the board, I wonder how, demand destruction is when across the board, yeah, you, you know, right? You have people who don't buy it, so that means that enough consumers were so negatively impacted by the price that yeah. they stopped buying gasoline, right. right? And so therefore, the price dropped because of the supply and demand. There was now more supply. So, but is it the, if that's what happened, which I think maybe, then the Democrats are going to have a hard time coming back from it. Do you think that this gas tax issue is still going to be a thing? Like when they're saying, let's repeal the gas tax, which is, you know, it's really good politics to say that. It's bad policy. So I don't even know if it's um, if it's good politics, because I think that a lot of people look at it and say, well, they're just going to they'll just go back to it again. Right. In other words, it seems gimmicky to me. No, it's totally a gimmick. Right. And I think a lot of people people see that. Do a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the, the, hol- the tax holiday weekend. That foolishness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, all, everybody knows they just don't. They just wait to buy their the big screen TV. Yeah, for that weekend, they, right? They would have bought it two weeks earlier. Yeah, right. They, so nobody's tricked by that. Really, they, don't, they know they're not getting a tax break. Right. They just happen to be getting a. It's, it's a gimmick, right? Yeah. So, but what do you think, Marcus? Do you think it will? I, I just here's the thing: is is this is kind of so like. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk of Democrats are doomed in the midterms, which is probably true either way. But Democrats are also doomed in 2024 because things are so bad. But as you know, the, all of this stuff is really cyclical. So if it if it does bounce back, if it gets to the point where we're hitting 350 a gallon, right, or three dollars a gallon, and we're getting into 2023 or 2024. I don't know if it's people. I don't know if demand destruction. I don't know if the reason it drops is going to to matter as much. I think in the midterms, I think the Democrats are basically doomed either way. Well, yeah, I think I, I don't think we, can, we have any idea what's going to what two thousand four is going to look. Well, like. that's what I, that's what in, in this particular election. But I'm talking about in the Commonwealth specifically. I think that issue that I think a lot of Republicans in com, more competitive districts are relying on. I think that they're going to. I think that they're going to be. You don't mean in Massachusetts, you mean just across the I country. mean in Massachusetts in, in particular because the gas tax repeal is an issue people are running on. So you think... In this area in particular. Do you think that the Republicans are going to get the same bump in mass that they're, getting, they're allegedly going to get nationwide? I, I don't. Because of the lack of the top of the ticket. Yeah. That's I mean, true. The, you know, we've. I don't think... 
you can look at this year. All right, they talk about 94, right? I was around for 94. Yeah. But you had a real top of the ticket in 94. You had Bill Weld. Right. You didn't have, you don't have any of that now. I right. mean, you know, Chris Doty's a nice guy, but he's not Bill Weld. Right. Right? You have a, you have a formidable candidate in uh, Healy. But I'm saying that you've got a, in the, if you're Bruce Tarr, you've got a caucus of three, right, in the Senate? Right. right. Do you think they could get a and caucus of... one's on his way to jail. Right. And do you think you could get a caucus of maybe four or five, right? Is is that possible? What seat could they pick up? Ah, that's a good question. So, this, maybe the ones that they lost, but, I mean, they lost those, right? Even the House seats they lost. Right. I don't see them as getting... What, all right, look. Let, let's look at it this way. The... The most competitive district down here, district, I'm not saying candidate, but the most competitive district is probably Bill Strauss's district yeah. for Republicans. I'd agree with that. That's not going to get picked up by the Republicans. No, it's not. It's not going to get picked up by the Republicans. No, absolutely not. You know, now not at all. There's a competitive primary, but there's no way. There's a competitive primary yeah. on the Democrat side, but that doesn't help the Republicans. Yeah. So Republicans are not going to win that seat. There's, no, it's no chance. Never. Not, not, not this year. <laughs> Not this year. No. It's definitely not this not year. Not this year. No. 100%. No. Which, all, which, which doesn't matter, right? After this year, it doesn't matter. Right. So, so at least for who, you know, so we'll, we'll move on. We'll see what next year brings, right? Yeah, yeah. But we know what this year has well, brought. Well, what do you think? We about- already know what this year has brought. Hmm? Do you think, well, Wait, the crop is in. It's dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, let's, let's look at. What do you the, think about, um, I mean, I, I don't know. A general's district. You know, you get, I think it, that's a more conservative district now that Cushnison, Westport, so Evan Genro's, you know, trying his best, but but his opponent just—I'll tell you—it took it took a very good vote for himself. He voted. He's one of the few Democrats that voted against the new gun laws in the House. Um, he did. Yep. Interesting. The, uh, the Westport Democrat, um, Paul Schmidt. Paul Schmidt. Paul Schmidt himself is a, you know former Marine. He's a gun owner, and um, he took a vote. I, I mean, you could argue either way on that thing. For, for if that's good, for, I think it's good for him when he has a Republican opponent, but. Yeah, but that's a more competitive district as well. Yeah, but I don't look. Evan General has given it given it a good try, but it's still going to be very difficult to over. It's always difficult to beat an incumbent. Always difficult. Yeah. So I don't see either one of those districts. Do you see another district down here that could go Republican? Well, there's no candidates running, so no. There's no candidates running. There's the answer. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's no candidates running. Is, is, are they going to beat Mark Montagny? No, because they're not running. There's no one's running. Yeah. What, what about um? Are they going to? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's no. One. I think I think Mike Rodericks has a Republican opponent. But Does he? Yeah. Let's be real though. Well, he's not going to beat Mike Rodericks. No. Even though that district's a little better. Yes. It's it's but but when you look at Fall River, Mike's got New Bedford. He's got Rochester. He's got Lakeville. He's got Freetown. But nothing compared to Fall River. You know, in terms of just the sheer numbers. Right. Right. So. But again, I, I would say Bill Strauss's district is the, just, again, I'm not talking candidates. I'm just talking districts. I don't see how the Republicans pick that up. I think the, um, the, the, the Representative Schmidt district, which is Westport, Freetown, Lakeville, uh, the North End of New Bedford, that's a competitive district, or more competitive, I should say. That's not going to be a pickup by the Republicans. I can't right. see it. Now, things can change, but, and I don't see the gas taxes being it. Because <clears throat> here's the, here's the thing, Mark, as you know, you could have the greatest issue in the world. Right. But if you don't know how to communicate it, what good yeah. does it do? It's like a tree falling in the woods. Right. You could have the greatest issue in the world. Right. But if 
you can't tell the if voters. You can't, yeah, if you can't, if you don't have the infrastructure, do it. Yeah. Right. If you don't have the money, if you haven't raised the money, if you don't, if it knocked the doors, a nobody can't beat a somebody. Right. I don't care if the somebody was indicted. I, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard Becca Roush up in Needham is competitive. Someone, a Republican, told me that though, but. Again, I it's it's hard. It's you know I don't see any. It's it's hard to see any districts that are really going to be a. Big well, here's the thing: they gerrymander the districts so that you so that's the Democrats true. can't lose them. That's true. I mean, I don't. I mean, you you know that's why when I say you have to look at the district first. That's why I'm talking about Bill. It's got no no commentary on Bill Strauss. Just happened to be that he have, he's in the most competitive district. It's not not because he's a weak candidate. No, just, just because the way that it's drawn. The way the district is drawn, it's a, it's a mildly competitive district. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Not doesn't lean right. Just mildly competitive. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. I'm gonna take a break. Vote. I mean, if you're gonna commit to something, you commit. Right. Just do it. You just gotta do it. If you got it in your heart and mind, you gotta do it. And you you got it in your heart and your mind. You you got people that are telling you to do it. You just gotta do it. You just. You can only measure so many times before you finally have to cut. Really? Really? Yeah. Right? You can I mean, think. You can never, labor over it. You'll never build the house if you finally don't cut the wood. <laughs> you, I mean, can, you can ruminate all you want, but right? at the end of the day, sometimes you just got to go in and you got to commit. You've got to take a chance. You cannot. You've got to take a chance. Listen, you know the, the old saying, measure twice, cut once? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but it's not measure indefinitely. Right. right. Keep measuring. you're going to make the cut. Because eventually, you're right. Maybe maybe you didn't get the windage right. Maybe that maybe that maybe the measurement's a little off. But, but at you, least you try. You got to cut, right? You've got to cut because the reality of it is is that you get more more cuts in the future, right? You got yes. you know you can always make a change, make a shift. But if you never get out of the starting blocks, I've re- I really you're you just know, there. I've tapped out the metaphor at this point. But, but 